This podcast is sponsored by Australian Christian College, a network of schools committed to student wellbeing, character development and academic improvement. Welcome to the Inspiration Project, where well-known Christians share their stories to inspire young people in their faith and life. Here's your host, Brendan Corr. Hi there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Inspiration Project podcast. We have with us this morning, Daniel Widdison. Now, some of you may not know Daniel by name, but you are likely to know him um, by the voice that you might recognize. And, and maybe if you see a picture of him somewhere, you'll, you'll recognize him as a character that you've seen on TV. Daniel is a very busy guy. He's fit a lot into what is still his relatively um, early, early stages of life. Um, enjoyed great success. So he's been involved in theatre and in television and in movies over a period of time. He was a, a Australian playwright finalist, recipient of the Best Director at the Florence Film Awards, Best Screenplay at the New York Film Awards. Um, great success in the area of, of uh, producing documentaries. He produced a, a controversial black comedy about global refugee crisis called The, the Worm Farming, um, which was premiered at the National Museum of Australia in 2017, continues to be involved in, in that area of work, but we might know him best as Dan from Saturday Disney, the host of, <laughs> of that program. At, at least, right. uh, at least the, the, uh, the listeners of this podcast might know that. Um, while that's his one side of him, the, the, the Disney world, he's also very successfully completed a, a strong academic program with a bachelor degree in theology, a master's in hermeneutics, and recently completed a, a doctorate in performative understanding, focusing on the Shakespearean literature and theology. Dan, that's a, a lot to include in a resume. It's, uh, you, you obviously like to keep yourself busy. Yeah, now I feel like I've, I've got to live up to all that in having a chat with you. I'm, well, I'm pretty much just a, an, an average bloke. Uh, <laughs> I just like to keep busy, that's all. I'm a little bit in awe of you just have a, having uh, canvassed some of those things. That's that's quite a range of of opportunities. Let, let's start with the you know your, your Saturday Disney gig that um, people sort of know for you, but you also worked in uh, Hope One Hundred Three Point Two, a presenter, breakfast presenter. Yeah, I did. Yeah. So, oh goodness, it's really it's really hard to know where to start. I, look, I knew um <clears throat> I knew when I left school that I wanted to be involved in the entertainment industry, and that's that's. That's pretty much all I had to, to go off. I, you know, I felt passionate about entertainment. I didn't know how or where that would fit, um, and so I just did. You know, did local stage plays in, in Canberra, and I, I started studying a, a bachelor of communications because I thought that might be a good kind of gateway into the industry. And then, uh, then I saw an ad in a. In a which my mum showed me an ad in the newspaper for uh, actors wanted. Or, uh, it was like a theme park. They, they called it the backlot tour um, at 20th Century Fox, so Fox Studios in Sydney. And it was basically just a theme park where they tried to recreate what it's like to be on a film set. So I auditioned for that and I, I got in. It's a full-time job just working as an actor in a theme park. I thought, that's great. That's kind of what I want to act, so that'll be wonderful. Left home, did that. I only did that for about, uh, about a year when... Um, I auditioned to be the face of Fox. They're looking for someone to kind of lead the, the um, television commercials and posters around Sydney. 
and through that, the uh, the two girls who hosted Saturday Disney at the time, who were Shelley Craft and Mel Simons, um, saw the television ad. And this is, this is really weird because yeah, anyone who's tried to pursue a career in the industry knows that moments like this are so very rare. So I refer to this as a bit of a God moment. Yeah. <laughs> um, other people view it differently. But the two girls from Saturday Disney saw my ad and they just turned up to work one day. And they said, oh, would they you like up to, to your work, work on Saturday Disney? Yeah, they turned, they turned up to Fox Studios. They asked for the guy who was on the ad and they said to me, would you like to um, audition to work with us on Saturday Disney? I was like, are you, are you kidding me? Of course I would. And then two weeks later, I, yeah, I had the job, which led to a seven-year full-time gig at Channel 7 working for Disney. And I got the right scripts for Home and Away and host some other shows. So it was pretty wild. So you, you mentioned in that little anecdote, a God moment from your perspective. I'll come back to that and ask you about uh, how, how you hold that sort of view of the things happening in your life. But yeah. let, me, let me roll you back. You, you said as soon as you left school, you knew this was the line of work you wanted to be in or the, the sort of life you wanted to, to live. When did you discover that this was your interest, your passion, acting and theatre and drama and, and the entertainment yeah, business? Yeah, it was um, – look, I probably – Probably in high school, I'll look throughout primary school. I, you know, I, I, I dabbled in all sorts of things. You know, class drama plays and, sports and things. And, sorry, what was that you did, class plays? You got the lead role in the yeah year three production. Yeah. And, no, uh, I, no, I didn't get the lead. I never got the lead in primary school. I was quite bummed about that. We did Mary Poppins, and I wanted to play Bert, and I didn't get it. <laughs> Thanks for bringing it up. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, uh, painful memories. Yeah. Painful memories, but then in uh, then in high school, look in high school, I I really loved my sports, and uh, and I really loved drama, and it was probably I don't think there was one particular moment, but if if I was to define a moment, it it could be in uh, there was this thing called the Rockestead that was like a big yeah, uh, dance yeah. when I was growing up, and uh, my drama teacher asked me in year nine to join the Rockestead, and uh, I, I was. I was like, nah, you know, there's no way I'm going to join a dance competition when my rugby mates can come <laughs> along and laugh at me. Uh, but she talked me into it. I said, oh, all right, look, I'll, I'll give it a go. So I joined this thing called the Rock of Um My costume involved black tights and this mm. tiny shirt. And I knew that my rugby mates were going to be coming along watching it. So I'm thinking, oh, what am I doing? That's real courage, but, Dan. That's but, real courage. It was real. It was real courage. But when um, I remember being in the theatre when we finally performed um, and being backstage and when the lights came on and the, the camaraderie of, of this team backstage were all a bit nervous and then we hit the stage together and we just we basically physically pour our hearts out to, to, to perform this, this dance. It was, it, was a really, it was a wonderful moment. It was, and, and I developed some great friendships from that and I, I got a real high from performing. Um, so, so that was one moment. And then perhaps later on in high school, um, I mean, I, look, I had, a, I had a pretty good childhood. Um, things were great, but like everyone, you have your ups and downs and, and I, I guess I've got the, um, the, the kind of brain that allows me to have high highs and, and low lows. So when I had some lows in high school, I found that, uh, watching shows or watching movies or, or reading books helped me to escape my low moments. So a combination of feeling a, a passion to perform and also realizing the escape it gave someone when they're not going through a great period in life uh, really drove home the fact that being in entertainment 
would be good for me. And if I was good at it, could be good for others as well. Yeah, that's an interesting perspective. So it wasn't solely about realizing your own potential or self-expression. You very early on had a sense this is something that could be uh, an act of service also. Yeah. And, and look, I haven't, um, I haven't always, I mean, particularly in my younger years, so um, 19, 20, 21, 22, uh, I, I didn't totally honor that because there were times where I'd, I'd try and write plays or be parts of performances where, where you would just try to invoke an emotion from the audience. Mm. I found my mentality back then was if I can invoke any kind of emotional response from the audience, then I'm winning. But I very soon learned that it's actually not hard to um, to write a heartbreaking story and make someone cry. It's not very hard to um, to produce maybe a scary short film and make someone jump. But what I learned those early years is, is, is do I actually want to do that? Do I mm. actually just want to invoke um, any kind of emotional response or do I want to invoke a positive emotional response? So it was probably by the age of 22 that I, that I, I really tried to start um, and it's not, it's not always clean, but try to start producing and being part of shows that drove home a, a strong message. Mm. Do, you, do you think you mentioned that you have a personality that experiences emotions intensely, high highs, low oh, yeah. lows? Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, that's not true for everybody. But do, do you think that makeup of yours, the experience you've had of intense emotion both ends helps you craft stories or helps you understand how to um, influence other people's emotions? Uh, yeah, look, it's, it certainly, it certainly helped me, um, as, as a performer. It's funny though. It's, it's um, so I found that, uh, I'm really grateful. I'm really grateful and thankful for my um, experiences in life that have not been good. So obviously at the time, uh, you know, you, you, you hate that maybe um, you're losing a loved one or you hate that you're losing your health for a significant period of time or whatever it is. Uh, but coming out of that, I realized that, well, well, well all those experiences um, as a storyteller help me to really understand what's going on. It's mm. very hard to write a story about someone who loses a loved one mm. when you've never lost a loved one. Yeah. But if, if you're going for realism and you, and you want to, ha um, create a genuine character, then having experienced all those kind of things is, is a wonderful blessing mm. in retrospect because mm. you can, yeah, you can dive into those moments. Mm. You're, you're writing, you said before that you, it is relatively easy for you to be able to craft something and experience that will evoke an intended emotion from somebody. Do you, is that what entertainment is? Is, is entertainment about uh -huh. creating a situation yeah. that requires or, or that involuntarily makes somebody respond? It's, um, it, that's a very interesting question and I'm sure lots of people would answer it differently. Mm. So, uh, there would be lots of entertainers out there who, um, who would go for shock value mm. and they would <clears throat> craft something or create something or perform something. And because it gets an emotional response from the audience, they would say, yes, that's a success. Mm. Um, and once upon a time I, I saw entertainment as that. Mm. Uh, now, however, I, I also see entertainment as an opportunity to create a positive um, response. 
And that doesn't mean that the audience is always going to feel good after they um, read or watch something that I craft. Um, but perhaps it will make them ask questions mm. that will benefit them or benefit society. And that, that's a positive response. Mm. So, um, so my, the form of entertainment, how, how I would define the entertainment that I want to be part of is, is one that invokes um, po- positive responses long-term from the viewer or uh, society as opposed to just invoking any kind of response. I mean, and you see it in B-grade horror films. I mean, lots, lots of people love B-grade horror films, um, but, but really that, that's not hard. You know, play suspenseful music, someone's walking up to a door, they're about to open the door, there's a shadow behind them, put a, put a dramatic sting on there and then show a scary face. You're mm. going to invoke a response from mm. the audience, but is that beneficial mm. or not? Well, that's debatable. In hearing you, de- you, des- you describe that sort of scenario, Dan, there's there's a risk of interpreting that as that that all emotion is rather shallow and hollow and easily manipulated, and it's it's just a matter of push a few buttons. Do you have have you changed the way you think about people's emotions, what what they own as emotions, by being able to play with them as easily as it it seems entertainers can? Yeah, I, you know, I think that um, I think that emotions are easy to manipulate, and that's scary. That's mm. actually a really scary thing, um, because even in, in particularly documentary makers, mm. you know, you you set out. <clears throat> there are documentaries that set out to push an agenda, mm. and and they will emotionally manipulate their audience. So mm. at the end of the film, you go, "Oh wow, yes, I believe that," mm. and then you watch a documentary. Actually, this is a really interesting exercise for anyone who would be interested in doing this, is watching, uh, watching two documentaries that argue completely different perspectives, yeah. watch them back to back, and you'd be amazed at how you're sold either way. Um, so in an, in an ethical line, I guess, of performance, there's, uh, there's something in the projects that I craft where I, I, I deliberately try not to manipulate my audience. I, I try to ask, in fact, the latest film that I was, I was part of was called Equivocal Redemption. Um, and it was really deep, really dark, really deep. Um, quite an emotional journey for the cast and crew as well as audiences. But in that, I deliberately tried to ask questions all the way through as opposed to present answers. Mm. Because I don't want to, I don't want to put forward a show or a film where I'm, where I'm force feeding an audience mm. and they walk away going, oh, okay, great. I, I believe that now because of this, or I feel that now because of this. I just want to set up great questions to mm. get the audience thinking. And then I, I feel like if they genuinely go on their own, own genuine mm. journey, um, the result will be positive. Mm. So that you've, you've introduced an interesting dichotomy about the, the fallibility of emotions and the ease with which they can be played versus the authentic response to those emotions and, and the grounding of those things in, in reality or in a, in a framework of ideology, I suppose. Yeah. Well, yes, because you can get, you can get, I mean, I think we all have, whether we want to admit it or not, we can get emotionally manipulated and for, for a short period of time, we'll be sold on an, on an idea or an agenda or, or a thought. But it's those moments in my life when I've gone deep within myself and asked questions myself mm. and had a revelation of sorts mm. 
they're the responses that last with me mm. for a longer period of time, you know, for a lifetime or at least for, for years. Mm. Um, it, it's like, it's like when, um, you know, for, for anyone who, who listens to a motivational speech mm. at the end, you go, yeah, great. That was mm. wonderful. And then, you know what, two hours later, <laughs> whatever, I completely yeah. forgot it. Yeah. But if you, if you're not just listening to something and being fed it and you're going deep within yourself and you have a, a, a self-awareness or a self, realization or revelation of sorts, um, then because it's really true to who you are in your inmost being, I find that they're the changes that will last a long period mm. of time. So for, for you, Dan, if, if emotions and emotional responses come and go and they can be influenced by the immediate information right in front of you and you're encouraging somebody to go deeper, what is deeper? What, what are the things that form the bedrock of experience or of life? Hmm. That's a cracking question. <laughs> I think, uh, look, I think there'd need to be vulnerability there. Mm. Um, there would, uh, need to be trust mm. in that space. Um, there would have to be a self-awareness that, mm. uh, asks questions. Um, have I been wrong in the mm. past and am I open to change? Uh, it's very, very hard to, very hard, I think, to go deep unless you're willing to just put everything aside for a moment yeah. and, and go, okay, I'm completely open to any kind of change that I feel really needs to happen yeah. within me. So then as a creator, to, um, to work your audience into a space where they're willing to go there, mm. that's, that's really difficult. Yeah. That, that's the kind of emotional impact that's quite difficult. Yeah, yeah. You've mentioned it a few times in our conversation so far, your intention to have a positive outcome, to, to uh, yes. frame people so that there's a positive response. We've talked about the need to go deeper than just an emotional response. What... How do you make those determinations? What is positive for you? What's the, the thing that gives you a value about what you're wanting to achieve in your work? Uh, what's a positive response? Well, let me, let me answer that by giving a couple of, um, couple of examples because, because the way I always get there isn't necessarily the cleanest. <laughs> so it's like a messy, it's a messy journey. So for worm farming, for example, worm farming was a, um, it, was, it was a short stage play um, that I wrote about the refugee crisis, um, but it was but it was a black comedy. So some of the some of the characters in in the play um, made horrifically racist jokes um, right. that that I would totally I would totally be offended if somebody said those things to me in normal everyday life. But in the world that I created on stage, I needed some characters to behave like this. Mm. And the way they say these jokes, it, almost out of out of shock value, which which isn't my long term goal. Shock value is just this quick, yeah. easy. I'm yeah. going to make the audience feel something. Um, or the audience will laugh at it, but then I I try to craft the the script so that as they laugh at it, they go, "Oh wow, I really shouldn't be laughing yeah. at this." Yeah. And it's this this dark long journey where uh, where people die. Um, there's immoral. Uh, values, lots of terrible stuff happens, but 
my goal was to get my goal for that whole project was to get people talking about the refugee crisis. Mm. That's all I wanted. I just I wanted people to leave the show and have conversations with their friends and with their family about the refugee crisis. Mm. They didn't have to agree on responses. They didn't have to lean. You know, it, it wasn't a matter. Of what, it wasn't an argument that was saying close the borders or saying open the borders. It was just to get people talking about mm. it. So in this very dark, messy world that I had created, the positive response that I got in the end was a lot of a lot of media coverage and a lot of um, people writing back saying to me that they had these great conversations about the refugee crisis mm. in their immediate circles. So mm. for me, that that that's a positive outcome because that's what I yeah. wanted to create. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, in that scenario that you're describing, you you've left the conclusion or the moral conclusion open do you yes do you think that there is a is moral is morals relative is there right and wrong are there things yeah. that are good and bad oh wow are there things that are right and wrong i would say yes are there things that are good and bad i would also say uh yes but there's also a whole lot of gray mm. and um and so in that gray area, uh, that's where I thrive. I thrive in asking questions and exploring. Um, and I even, if I hear, if I'm having a conversation with someone and, and, uh, and they're very black and white, I struggle in that space. Yeah. I, I really do. Um, I, I dislike watching um, debates where people are just at each other back and forth, back and forth. You're yeah. wrong because you're wrong because, but I love that gray area. I love listening to conversations and debates where there, there is a moral issue and, and people say, yes, I, I feel it's wrong because of all these reasons, yeah. but I, but I understand your perspective and the other person says, yes, well, well, I think this is right for all these reasons. And then that, that way, I think in that conversational space, Long term, there'll be some great results as as opposed to, to beating each other over the head. Mm. Then, you you mentioned earlier in our conversation a God moment that you saw yes. something providential about that encounter that opened up new opportunities for, for your life. Tell us about your your life of faith. How did it come about? What what strengthens it? So my my faith journey. Um, I guess it began young, you know, my, you know, my parents had faith and, you know, we had to go to, we had to, I didn't want to, we had to go to church on weekends. Uh, the school I went to had chapel services and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I, look, by the time I left high school, I, I knew the general story of the Bible. Like I, I knew who Jesus was. I knew what he had done. Um, but my big struggle coming out of high school is, is I, when I looked around and I saw my my teachers in particular at, at school um, and, and people within the church community who, who were saying these things and teaching these things, uh, I looked around. I was like, I don't think anyone actually believes what they're saying. Right. I was like, they're telling me all this stuff about Jesus, but looking at everyone, I, I doesn't feel like anyone actually believes it. Yeah. So I I took the the story of the Bible and thought, oh well, that's that's a nice little moral idea mm. and, and basically just left it. And then, um, 
then there were these, there were these in retrospect, I call them God moments because at the time I didn't know they were at the time. Mm. I thought, Oh wow, this is so lucky. <laughs> I, I got into the industry and, and, um, and I was working at channel seven and you know, life I thought at the time was great. There were, um, red carpets and flying around the world to interview celebrities and, and, uh, parties and all sorts of things. Um, and then, and then it was at a channel seven Christmas party. Um, I met this young lady who is my now wife mm-hmm. and, uh, someone, someone warned me of her. They said, Oh, careful. She's, um, she's really religious. And I'm like, Oh, that's cool. Like I, <laughs> I dig that. I, can do with that. I didn't even know what that meant. I didn't even know what that meant. She's really religious. Anyway, we, we got talking, uh, we, we, we were dating for a while and we would often talk about faith. Um, and I wasn't anti it at all. And, but I remember saying to her, I said, look, I just don't, I just don't think it's real. Mm. Um, and I said, but I can see this is really important to you. So, so here's what I'll do. I'm going to read, I'm going to read the Bible cover to cover and I'm going to go to your church services. And I'm going to go to your Bible studies. Mm. And I just, I, whatever, cause by this stage we kind of knew that we were going to get married eventually. And I was just like, you just need to respect that whatever I conclude at the end, I'm going to go into it open-minded, open-hearted, you just need to respect that whatever I conclude at the end is my decision and we mm. can still love each other. And she said, yeah, great. That's fine. So that year of me reading through um, scriptures and asking questions and going to churches and all this kind of stuff, about a year and a half into that, this is still before we were married, uh, I, was, I was blown away and overwhelmed with um, two things. One, a historical evidence mm. that this, this person called Jesus did actually live there's, there's historical evidence that he did die and there's plenty of evidence to reveal that this, this character then actually came back. And I thought, mm. wow, that's, that's uncanny that this can be supported, not just in the Bible, but in, mm. you know, in other, in other historical other documents mm. and then other sources. Yeah. And then, and then em- emotionally and physically, and, and, and now I'd say spiritually as well, I, I felt myself changing completely. Mm. Um, to the point where, uh, you know, I'd be out at these red carpet events or, or parties at, at um, you know, in the industry. And instead of thinking, oh, who, who can I network with? Who can I, how can I promote myself? I found myself just really caring for people. Right. You know, I found yeah. myself really kind of looking around and kind of going, oh, well, you know, it was weird. It, was weird. it, sounds, yeah. it sounds weird even to reflect on. But just my, my response to wanting other people to be well and do well and, and feel cared for was much stronger than my desire to land my next acting mm. gig. What am I going to do now? Where mm. am I going to perform? And so all these changes within me and all this evidence for Jesus just blew me away with the, with the truth of it. I thought, man, this, yeah. this guy's, this guy's legitimate. Yeah. How, how were you sure in those moments then knowing entertainment and the conversation we've had before about the way emotions can be, can be influenced your self-reflection about needing to go deep, where, where were you in understanding that actually this was something deeper, this was bedrock, this wasn't just me getting caught up with the emotion of church or my girlfriend? Or- yes. Yeah. And you know what, I'm, I'm, always, um, I'm always hesitant with that. Even when you leave, like, you know, you leave a a church service and you hear a great sermon or whatever, <laughs> you, think, mm. you know, is this real? Have I just kind mm. of been, you know, manipulated yeah. a little bit. Um, but at the time, because it was like a year and a half long journey, yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't a moment. It wasn't an event. It wasn't a conference. 
I, I was, didn't come I was, and go. No, I, I felt pretty strong about it. And then when I began my faith journey, there's been lots of times over the last, oh goodness, uh, almost 20 years where I will question things and I love that. And I'll never, I'm not the kind of person who goes, oh, no, no, I can't ask that question because it's irreverent. I'll ask it. And I'll even ask it in my prayers. Yeah. I'll, 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 like, I'll, be, I'll be going, God, I don't get it. Like, you know, the Bible says this, but that doesn't match up with this. So, so what, you know, what on earth is going on there? Like, that's how I yeah. grow and learn. And I find the more questions I ask openly, yeah. my faith actually becomes stronger and stronger and stronger. And so now there's, there's probably lots of, um, there's probably lots of church doctrine, <laughs> I guess you'd call it, that I'm like, yeah, I, don't, I just don't know about that. I'm not sure about that. Mm. But when it comes to my, my faith in, in Jesus Christ, mm. believing that, that he is God made man and he lives, mm. like I totally believe that. I am totally sold out to that mm. and to him, even though that's my, my ideas on, on you know, conventional um, faith m- might differ from others. Or the expression of that faith, or the the uh, the liturgy around different types of faith is. Yeah. So yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. The liturgy of it, and and, and how people, you know, the, the beliefs that are expected to come with it, as opposed to just being in relationship yeah. with, you know, with yeah. this person who I I call the creator. So you've been involved in the entertainment industry for longer than you've been on your faith walk. Did you find yeah. that starting this new phase of understanding this new sense of being you, did it cost you in the entertainment industry? Did it, was it hard to be a Christian or become a Christian in that space? Um, look, it, it, it didn't, it didn't for me, uh, because I think because I was so resolved mm. and, and, and I think, <sighs> Like I'm, I'm very open at just being who I am. You know, I, I don't really turn up to any gigs pretending to be something that I'm not or, or trying to fit. I think if you if you're trying to be in any situation, whether it's a Christian faith or or something completely different, I think whenever you pretend to be something you're not or try to fit in somewhere where you don't naturally fit in, um, that's hard. But but I've I've just been myself in in the industry. Yeah. Um. So. So I turn up and I'm, and I, and I'm openly me. Um, <clears throat> I never force issues. I mean, my idea of being in the industry isn't to, isn't to convert anyone, <clears throat> isn't to try to win anyone over to believe what my beliefs are. I, I just want to be a positive presence in that industry. Yeah. And so um, that's, act- that's actually really, really easy and fun and enjoyable to be a positive, um, you know, a person in that mm. space. Uh, I do have friends who are particularly forceful of their views um, and they struggle <laughs> in the industry um, as, as you would expect, you know, if, if anyone turned up uh, to my workplace and just started belting me over the head with stuff that I didn't believe, I'd, you know, I'd be frustrated. Yeah. I'd be like, dude, just yeah, chill. stop it, learn your lines and mm. let's play the scene. <laughs> mm. Mm. Which, which is interesting, Stan, because another aspect of your, your experience has been moving into pastoral work where you you were yep. very intently, intentionally assisting people deepen their understanding, grow in their faith. What led you to to that uh, expression of of who God was calling you to be? Um, <clears throat> well, I was asked to be a, um, a youth pastor at my church when I was very new to my faith, 
um, which, which I'm thankful for the experience. Uh, but I would also at the same time recommend to anyone who's new to their faith not to jump into a pastoral position. Mm. I think partly I was asked because I was on a, I was on the start of a very strong faith journey. Mm. I think partly I was asked because I was on TV and they mm. wanted someone with a profile. Um, it, it was really challenging to be a pastor with a very fresh, mm. a very fresh new faith. Um, but I, look, I knew I wanted to help people. I knew that I wanted to care for people. And that's why I, that's why I entered that, that pastoral position. And, you know, I, was, I did that for about uh, 16 years. Wow. Was it 16? No. No, I did it for four, about 14 years I was a pastor. Um, and... And it was such a tough journey. It was a really tough journey for me because, because I'm not forceful, because I just want to love people, because I want to get alongside people. And I never, ever entered that role um, as an evangelist trying to, con- trying to convert people. Yeah. I, think, I think if you're real and genuine and just get alongside people in life and encourage them to go on their own personal journey, they will find truth. Yeah. They will find the truth. Uh, and so the, the pastoral journey was really hard for me because – you know, in, in meetings at church, they're talking about, okay, we're going to preach this idea. You know, we, we, we need to um, get this many more people into church. And I was like, this, I, I, this isn't my idea of what church was. Yeah, KPIs my strategies and hmm. Yeah. And it's just not, and look, I get, I get it. I understand that in church organizations, there needs to be that kind of stuff and there needs to be growth, but that wasn't me. Yeah. And so it was really, really hard. I like, I just wanted to make pastoral phone calls. Yeah, <laughs> I just yeah. wanted to be the person that, yeah. that went to a local football game to watch one of the youth kids, uh, you know, play football. Yeah. Um, I, I, I wasn't the guy, you know, at the end of the service <laughs> who said, you know, if this message has spoken to you, then sign up to our latest program. I didn't want to do any of that. Yeah. And so eventually I, um, and it was such a freeing experience. I learned that I can actually be a pastor in the entertainment industry, yeah, good. I don't. I don't need the title of yeah, pastor. That's good. I don't need to. I don't need a bit of paper that says you're a church minister. Yeah, and so that's that's kind of how I treat what I do now. You know, this relational pastor in the industry without the title. That's pastor. awesome. That's really great. Mm. Obviously, you're you're um, a clever guy. You've got a few degrees hanging on your wall. I can be an idiot that time too, but <laughs> I know they're not they're not mutually exclusive <laughs> concepts. I, I get that. <laughs> great. Uh, what what is the value ha- that you have found? Because the, the the study that you've done has been around theology and about deepening your understanding of the issues of faith. What role yeah. has intentional, intense study brought to the your understanding of faith or your experience of your your faith walk? Oh, it for me. My study is funny because I'd finish, I'd finish a degree and then I'd say to my wife, I'm going to study some more. She's like, Why do you do it? But I, but I loved it. I loved it. I loved, cause I had all these questions at the beginning of my faith journey, you know, like why, why do we call the, the Bible the word of God? Mm. How, how is it that these, you know, collection of books are now God's word? Why does, why does this book say this and this book say this? Why? Um, why do we take this particular part as literal, and why do we take this particular part as metaphorical? Mm. And and why do and why do these societies disagree on what's literal yeah. and what's metaphorical? So I loved I loved studying it. I loved looking at the scriptures and how they were put together. I loved looking at church history. 
I loved looking at documents that were um, outside of the Christian faith considered historical documents yeah. and documents that were outside of the Christian faith considered or oh, maybe less reliable. Um, and, and I, and I, I really, I really benefited on my faith journey doing all that because now I have such a grounding. It, it's like my heart and my head. I have such a grounding in my heart that, that my faith is strong. Yeah. Um, and, and that I, I believe there is a creator who cares for me and does life every day with me. And in moments of doubt, I can always fall back on, well, well hang on, you know, no, the, the compilation of this, that, and the other, and the person who wrote this, who was an eyewitness to that event, really grounds for me that the solid historical evidence that's there as well. I mean, it was a challenging journey as well because, you know, you realize, and I had to, I had to really focus on not being cynical because there was a phase there where I'd, I would listen to sermons or listen to other teachers or read particular books. Um, and, and I will openly acknowledge that there was an arrogance um, as I was being cynical going, that's not true because yada, 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 yada. Yeah, yeah. And then I thought, no, I don't want to be that guy. I yeah. want to be open to everything, have my own personal resolve and make sure it's, it's, it's backed up yeah. with it, without being the person that puts other, um, other people down who are presenting their ideas. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So you've experienced that truth where, where Paul says knowledge puffs up and love builds up. And you had that sense of yeah. being big in your own eyes yes. because of what you knew and not necessarily being big of heart in the way you were yes. engaging with people. That's great. Um, you've, you've done, committed a lot of time to study, asking questions. Have you found all your answers or, or there are no. still more questions? <laughs> no. Look, the more, I, the more I learn, the more I realise how very little I know. <laughs> I, mm. I, I, I don't think there's an expert in anything in the world anywhere. <laughs> you know, we are, we're, all, we're all learning as we go. We're all learning more and more and more and more. Um, you know, and even in, and I think being open to the fact that I don't know everything yeah. is such a benefit for daily life and yeah. communication and relationships. Um, but, you know, just to jump back into the, the drama world for a moment, I even find that with some actors, actors who have been, actors who I look up to, who have been on sets from a very young age and who are mature actors now, um, and the actors who I really love and think they're, they're very good at their craft, they're the ones that teach a drama class to children yeah. and walk away learning something themselves, yeah, yeah. you know, and the actors that are hard to be around and, and who probably aren't as good as their craft are the ones who have, you know, they've done a diploma of stage work and they think they know everything. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, you're always learning. And, and the little motto that I, I, I wrote in the front of my Bible was um, seek, seek to understand, not to be understood. Amen. Um, which isn't my quote. I've read it somewhere. Yeah. But it's, um, it's been really beneficial to keep that in my mind. Beautiful. Dan, if you were looking back now to that, uh, that guy in high school that was uh, invited into the Rock of Stedford and making his way in the world and trying to figure out who he was going to be. Any advice that you might want to give to your high school self? Uh, oh, yeah, lots of advice. But at the same time, I wouldn't want to change anything. I think, I, you know, I grew through the whole journey, the mistakes mm. as well. Uh, but I would, I would say to my high school self, um, <clears throat> be, be confident being you. Mm. Don't, don't try to be someone or something you're not. Mm. Um, be, be yourself and find all the, all the, uh, beauty in, in being true to who you are. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Dan, it's been fascinating to get to know you a little bit. 
thank you for your generous gift of time to us and the generousness of your openness, um, sharing the things that, that God has led you through, um, the things you've learned, the lessons you've learned. It's just so encouraging to know that, that uh, in an area of our society that is so influential, the area of, of film and television and, and video and, and uh, entertainment, that God is placing people that, that know his heart and want to reveal that through the work that they do. I, I pray that you continue to get plenty of opportunities to do that uh, for the name of the God, for the name of the Lord. Thank you so much. It's been really fun. I've enjoyed it. Thank you very much. God bless you. Dan Whitteson.